0: Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Publitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday of Lent for the week of March 31st, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that over the last few weeks here, we're starting to see signs of spring coming forth from the snow drifts that have been accumulating here in Bemidji. And so I'm excited to dig into this week as we are continuing on this Lenten journey. I hope that the goals and aspirations that you set for Lent are going well and as we continue to persevere through this time. But I think there's so many fun things as we're slowly approaching Easter that get us excited, that are big events, usually within the church, that keep you busy. And I am excited for, as we proceed for that, but also having that deep reflection period to help us understand the weight of what we're going through as we continue through this process. So, Before we get on with anything, I want to do my shameless plug for First Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their commentaries, their discussions, their podcasts, it's a great resource, whether you are in the ministry or just a layperson, to utilize. I use it on a weekly basis, and I'd recommend if you haven't checked it out to check that out. Also, if you've been listening or watching some of the other shameless plugs that I've been checking out, again, there's another episode of God Friended Me out this week. I haven't watched it yet. I'm waiting to get this podcast done before I get to check it out, but I'd highly recommend it. It's been a great show talking about how to grapple with God in the 21st century and trying to figure out that element of God. I think it's a really interesting thing, but also how do you show God's work and hands in today's 21st century the second one that i again shout out the mini series of miracle workers on tbs is getting close to its ending and i'd highly recommend checking that out it's a very interesting show i think there's kind of some dark humor to it but it's worth checking out So, our Twitter question last week, we got a a few responses talking about it, but it's where in your life or where in the world are you seeing a need for consistent repentance? And I think it's really easy to kind of continue on the... Role that I kind of set last week with looking at the environment. But as I look at the world and where we're at currently, I think there's a lot of other places too. I think within just our typical relationships with people, going from our politicians all the way down to just your neighbor needs some work. We have continued to work on this isolation scheme that seems to, we think, work well. And I'd argue that We really doesn't. It doesn't really help us in the scheme of things. And I think we're starting to feel the pain of that. And it's through that humbling of oneself that we are able to actually make steps forward. And that's what's difficult. It's that repentance and meeting it and making a drastic change in your life to make progress to move forward. And as we look at this week's gospel text, but even just the text in general, I think there's a lot of that sentiment still built in that I think is really unique to looking at these scriptures coming off of the fig tree from last week. And so I would recommend at least thinking about that as you are digging into this scripture text this week. So... The gospel text this week is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, and 11b through 32. And I, before I really want to get into anything, we have to remember in that gap, so between 4 and 11a, there are two parables that they're cutting out here. So Jesus is in front of the Pharisees and is talking to them, and they're kind of questioning him eating with Sinners, eating with people who they don't think are worthy. And so the parables they're missing is one, the shepherd with a hundred sheep. He has 99, but goes and looks for the last sheep until he finds it. The woman in the lost coin, who again searches the house high and low until she finds the coin. And then we get this one, the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son, the loving father, however you want to call it. This father having two sons, one decides to take all his inheritance, goes and squanders it all and is ending up living and feeding with pigs. He decides, my father's slaves get treated better than what I'm getting here. So he goes back and is trying to tell his father, I'm not worried to be considered your son, that through that then I'll just become a slave. The father just embraces him welcomes him back gives him the best robe the ring on his finger which is essentially the seal of the family and welcomes him back in and kills the fatted calf so that they can have this big party the elder son who has stayed home the whole time we assume has been in the field and comes back and hears all this and asks what's going on he gets quite angry when he finds out this is all for his brother The elder son pulls aside the father and says, I haven't done this type of thing to you, and you haven't even had me have a young goat to celebrate with my friends. And meanwhile, this son threw himself away, was with a wrong crowd, and yet you have a party like this. And the father in verse 31 says, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. And it's a very interesting text both ways because I think it shows the narcissism for both siblings and yet I would say the more narcissistic one in this case is the elder brother just being completely oblivious to what has happened and is letting himself and his feelings kind of consume him. Whereas the younger brother had that earlier in the text. And as you'll find as we continue through this podcast, it's narcissism is where I'll kind of go with the faith in science this week. But I think it's a very interesting dialectic as we contemplate and think about all these different things that we get left with, Not the son who went and squandered everything, but the elder son who was there the whole time is the one where we're left with. And I think that's an interesting parallel to look at. The first reading is from Joshua chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. And this is the Lord kind of confirming with Joshua that, look what I have done during this time I've continued to produce and provide for the people of Israel as they were going into the land of Cana. And once they were in Cana and were able to produce their own crops, that then the Lord said, you no longer need this manna. Now you can work the land and get your own. So this reminder of how God provided in that time of need. And as we were able to start providing for ourselves that then went away. The psalm this week is Psalm 32. And again, it's this kind of talking about acknowledging our sins and acknowledging our transgressions and acknowledging where we have fallen short, that it allows Christ to enter into our lives, to be able to help us stay the path. But yet there's still times we struggle with that. It's again it's that whole idea of letting go of the self to follow Christ and giving up that free will for God's will idea. The second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 16 through 21. This is a point in Paul's gospel where he is starting to kind of bring back around what the whole purpose of what Christ did was for. So we have where we knew he was human, but he is no longer that way, but it's not like he has passed away. This has entered us into a new creation that with going through what he did, that he was able to bring us into this new found life. So I'm going to look at 19 through 21 here. That is, in Christ God was reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on the behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this idea of christ taking on this for us and that we then can be made right with god which you would think then kind of welcomes us in like that father image that we would appear to have here in the gospel of luke but like i've kind of foretold here you have this text that kind of gets into different layers of narcissism and the humbling of the younger son realizing he is not worthy. And we really don't talk, ever hear, how the son reacts to that. Did he just celebrate? Or did he kind of not feel good about this there's a lot of ends left open and it leads for us to be able to tie and create our own story create our own ending based on different events in our lives because this is a story that to many of us is very relatable so for me when I was looking at this from science there was one relationship that I thought really kind of brought this together as I went through this this time and that is Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla and if you've been a listener of the podcast for an extended period of time you know that I've brought up Nikola Tesla multiple times but I think it's this kind of summarizes a lot of kind of how this worked So Nikola Tesla was a Serbian immigrant to the United States in 1884. And when he arrived here in the United States, he had four cents in his pocket along with a small bag of clothing. And so he had already ideas on how to be able to do some different things, this inventive gene that was already in him. And so he then quickly gets invited to work for Thomas Edison. And Edison at this point had already invented the light bulb and then was trying to figure out how we were going to implement that into the home, into these different places. The issue that we are going through this industrial revolution here in the United States and that when people went home, they were going by candlelight. So Edison has this idea of using direct current, and the problem that direct current had was one, the systems that they had at that point were very inconsistent. They broke down quite a bit, and the problem also became is how far you were able to bring that electricity. So direct current with how it was is that it would get, three quarters to a mile before fading out so to really be able to provide you would need stations of energy every couple blocks to be able to effectively produce this the advantage being that the voltages of direct current were a lot lower So Edison had this problem, and he then talks to Tesla and says, you know, if you can figure out a way to fix this, that we're able to do this, I will give you a $50,000 bonus. Now, remember, this is from a man who just recently came to the United States with four cents in his pocket. $50,000 would speak volumes. So he went in and spent months working with these machines, fixing the machines, And then comes to Edison and says, not only have I fixed all these machines, but I have figured out a more effective, more consistent and better way of doing this. And so Tesla then asks, so I would really like to then receive my $50,000 bonus. And Edison says, you don't understand United States humor. This, for obvious reasons, would have infuriated anybody. And Tesla left. And so Tesla, in his head, had started working with alternating current. So instead of just current going one way, that it's kind of going back and forth, this pulsating, which would allow for higher voltages. And everybody kind of thought this was just more theoretical than actually being able to do it. And Westinghouse, you've probably heard of Westinghouse, came to him and Asked him, do you really think you can do this? He had a prototype and was starting to get it to work. And so they started working together. And it was at this time then, as this was going on, they started having this war of currents. And it was from that where it kind of started to be the beginning of the end was 1893 at the Chicago World's Fair, where Westinghouse and Tesla got the contract that everybody assumed Edison would get, and the world being amazed seeing this place light up with thousands of light bulbs, which had never really been seen before, and he had won. Edison had multiple attempts at that point trying to electrocute different stray animals, including an elephant, to kind of create a public smear campaign to show the dangers of... Alternating current because it's running through at higher voltages and it didn't stop Tesla. Tesla then ended up creating the first hydro power plant, being Niagara Falls, which kind of continued on. And as if you study Tesla later on, he has his own setbacks, his own things where it's out of his control and. It's unfortunate in my opinion. But it to me it kind of shows this interesting side of who we see Edison to be. We see that Edison as this great inventor and we forget at times when you have continued to build upon the success that he had had this idea of someone else coming in and one having ideas that may have not been his own he could have easily accepted them he could have easily then worked with them and see really what the process was how safe really was this edison didn't really want anything to do with it i think tesla also had a better understanding of just how people lived Understanding that all people can't live within a few blocks of each other, where Edison just must have been assuming that there must be some type of breakthrough that I would eventually come through for direct current. The other thing that I feel kind of sad about when I consider this story and think about this story is how we utilize both the currents today and how we need both. To live our daily lives if you have a computer if you look at there's some type of power brick usually associated and what that does with even a playstation or xbox to a laptop that brick converts alternating current back into direct current because it doesn't work well with batteries so the need for both types of current is substantial but yet, they weren't able to see beyond Edison. In this case, I'm putting a lot of the blame on Edison. He wasn't able to see beyond to actually welcome in this idea. How far is that from the elder son? That he isn't able to see his own brother as a brother. He sees them as the other. He sees them as someone else of, look what he has done. Look what, how he has squandered the opportunities that we had. And now he's tapping into my half. And how is that not fair? And the sad thing with this is as we look at these and we think about even the other stories that are not told here, the lost sheep, the lost coin, that God's grace and love is not fair. He cares so much about all of us that the ones he has in the flock, he's going to go and try reaching the ones that aren't. That to him is more important. And to me, I think that's just an very hard thing for us to grapple with because it's not our typical image of what we assume christ to look like our own narcissism clouds our vision of what we see and assume god to be and that to me is one of the biggest problems that we're running into in our world today is it's not about the we like we are told in scripture to have it's about me And when the world becomes about me, your world becomes very small. And it's a population of you versus these populations of single people instead of the we. It's not a city. It's individuals. And that's the hard thing with faith is that, in my opinion, and the longer that I've worked on this thing called faith, it is both a community thing and an individual thing. It can't be one or the other. It's and. If you look at this community of faith that is being driven home in this story, there is no and. The father sees the and. The elder brother doesn't see the and, and we never hear from the younger brother and where he is assuming it is. Beginning of the story, he doesn't see an and. And if you think about, say, for the United States, one of the big gnome projects that we hear about is the Manhattan Project. Which I'm not condoning was beautiful and how it happened, but how everybody came together to work together for a common goal in something like the Manhattan Project was beautiful. It's when we work together, we really see the beauty of Christ coming through our everyday activities. And that to me is something that I am sad to see that we are losing. As we get bombarded with different types of advertising that isolate us, we forget the beauty of community. That's hard. This process of needing each other is a hard thing because we can't then hold on to it. We want all that control. We want the freedom. I know the adolescent side of myself wanted that. I don't want all my parents telling me what to do. I want to be able to freely choose what I want to do. And the thing with faith is that we are freely choosing to put God in control, knowing that it's not always going to be fair, knowing it's not always going to be comfortable, knowing that this is going to seem crazy. But that's faith. Twitter question this week is, where are you being narcissistic when you need to be community oriented or more open? Where are you being narcissistic? Where you need to work together. I know for myself, dealing in the everyday world of being a youth minister, it's really easy for my own ego to tell me that it's my program. But it's not my program. If anything, I am the farthest thing from the program. The kids are the program. The church is the program. I just help orchestrate and get things ready for the program. But I am not the program. And I think it's one of those things where we like having ownership of this, and that's not it. I may host this podcast, but you, the listener are an active part of this podcast through participating, through letting me know, through sending comments. That is part of the podcast because it makes my job as the person hosting this, knowing what the people are wanting, knowing what the people are listening for, and knowing when am I putting myself as in charge of this too much instead of letting some of the voice of the people listening that I'm intending to reach come through. And it's one of those things that I think it's very difficult for us to deal with, but it's vital for our world and our faith. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.